All right, welcome to the Imperfectly Inspirational Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Bowman. So glad to be with you this week. And, you know, as I, I talk about sound a lot because we're trying to figure out different things, but over the next couple episodes, you're going to hear the sound coming just from my phone. I have underwent knee surgery, so I am unable to get upstairs to my little studio and all the stuff. So luckily, I am able to record on my phone and still keep the episodes coming to you. I will say God is good, but just continue to keep me in prayer as we get through the healing process and we continue to move forward. Um, But anyways, uh, if you do like what you hear when you're listening to us, we just ask, don't forget to follow us. We don't want you to miss out on our newest episodes. And uh, we also want you to be able to share it with others and and keep up to date with what we're doing. So if you do listen to us and you haven't followed us yet, go ahead and do that so you can be in the loop on everything that's going on over here. But anyways, you know, we're getting into the Christmas time and uh, I hope everybody's season is going well and you're able to get the things that you're looking to get and you're able to you know, get that time off with family and friends and just get that moment to relax. Remember that it's not about the gifts. It's not about everything else. It is about Christ. So I just wanted to throw that in as we're in to the Christmas season. But we are in Galatians chapter four this week as we continue our journey through the book of Galatians. Last week, we talked about Paul as he kind of went back into the Bible and proved that ultimately the Gospels do not contradict the law. They complement the law. Paul was going back to prove his point to them, and uh, we kind of talked about the how good it is to know what you're talking about, and as a Christian, to have knowledge in the Bible. So let's go ahead and continue to move forward and see what Paul has to say as we continue. So, and Galatians chapter 4, starting in the first uh, seven verses here we'll read, Paul's kind of continuing this thought that he was in the previous chapter. So let's give a a reading on this here. It says, verse 1, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we may receive adoption as sons. And because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son And if a son, then an heir through God. I tend to look at this little bit here that he's explaining as kind of a thing that we do for our own children now. Understand, if you have kids and if you don't, maybe you could connect this to your nieces or nephews or other kids you know in your life. You know these kids. You know what they're capable of. You know what they need to move forward in life, right? And many things that you may do, you're going to set out a general plan for some things to happen. Well, we basically see this illustration that God knows us. God knows that we are unable to keep this law. And this law is not going to be something that is going to be able to benefit us to get as close to him as he wants us to be. 
So God has a plan and a time for things to happen. And now we see that time has happened. So he's explaining that God set forth this plan. He knew us. He understood us. But to make sure that we were able to take full action of this, he had to wait, right? God has a a time for everything. So God waited for the perfect time. The time came, and now we have this freedom. We're not stuck under this law now. So just picture this section as that, is that God knows you so well that he crafted a plan perfectly to make sure that we were not stuck under this law. And now this law benefits us, but it doesn't enslave us. We're free from the curse of that law. And that's what he has given this example as. But let's move on. Paul, starting here in verse 8, Paul's mindset shifts. His, his tone kind of shifts a little bit, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. It says, verse 8, Formerly, when did you not know God? You were enslaved to those by nature and are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain, brothers. I entreat you because as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached at the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have then I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. But for no good purpose, they want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for who I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So, I want to give this illustration of somebody you may know in your life or maybe your own self. You've, you've went through this. We tend to know people or have gone through life ourselves going back to something that harms us. We all know somebody who, have, who has gotten clean from drugs and alcohol and continues to go back. We know somebody that has been in a toxic and abusive relationship that for some reason, every time they break free, they turn around and go back. Uh, there's never one clear reason, per se, but there's something that draws them back. And, and a lot of times it is maybe because they feel they, they have a control over it. They feel that it's something that they are in power of, or uh, maybe they feel safety in having that around them. Many reasons can be, and this is kind of Paul's come-to-Jesus moment with these Galatians, um, literally come to Jesus moment. Um, and, and we tend to have those with people that go through this cycle. They, they have a moment where they're free in life. They, they broke free from that bondage of whatever was holding them back from being the best that they could be. And they, they keep 
cycling back. Well, these Galatians were free. They were free from that bondage of the law. They were no longer slaves to having to continually work and labor to get them nowhere. They were ultimately just uh, pedaling on a stationary bike in hopes to get somewhere with the law. That was kind of a, a good euphemism there. But Paul was anguished about this. And so he's coming, he's coming to them with this, like, you know, this is their come to Jesus moment. I am perplexed by you. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Are you even saved? That's kind of really the, the thought process he's having here. It goes, this section that I'm reading, this is not something, a, a sermon that you would hear in a church for uh, people to come to Jesus for the first time. This is a sermon that you're going to want to preach or uh, something you're going to have a conversation with to somebody who has said that they were saved, but is not representing that well, who is not living that life, who, you know, maybe they, they said they're saved, but yet they're still going out and, and doing all these things. Their life never changed. And this is what Paul is pointing out. You say that you're saved, but yet you're going back and you're doing these things. You're, you're living this life that you were before. Did you not feel these blessings? Did you not understand what God did for you? You know? And he, he was talking about how good that they were to him. He says in verse 12, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. And he's, he's basically saying, listen, now I have, when I was there, you treated me well. You took care of me. You, you did so well by me. And now it is my time to take care of you because you're in need. And Christians today, if you are saved and you witness somebody going through this type of life, maybe, you know, maybe they are going through a similar Galatian type thing where they feel that they got to work to earn salvation. We need to have this conversation politely. Uh, there's a difference in a, a stern and truthful conversation and yelling and, and fussing. We don't want to do that because even we want to have a conversation like Jesus would have. And Jesus tells the truth. And we even know that Paul says, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? That's in verse 16. He's, he's saying, hey, do you not like me now for the things that I've told you? I've, you know, he's only spoke the truth to them. And, and folks, you're going to have people in your life that aren't going to want anything to do with you because you have been honest about Jesus Christ. And people that have gone to your church for years, people that you have sat behind of or in front of in church, if you call them out correctly and out of love and point out something, they may never want to speak to you again. They may see you as their enemy at that point. But if you go forward in love in the right way, that's what we're really called to do, then you're doing it right. But I always encourage you to do this right. But Paul is calling these people out to say that, hey, this is not what's supposed to happen. Did you not really get saved? What's going on here? And he's letting them know that he cannot be there with them. That that's not able to happen. So he's he's hoping, he's, he's worried about them because he can't be there. But he's, that's why he's writing this letter in such a harsh tone because some point has to get across. But now Paul goes back into a, an Old Testament type of deal. So in this last part, Paul is kind of uh, talking in a metaphor. He's using the story of Hagar and Sarah 
And he's kind of mentioning it in a metaphoric sense. Hagar is going to be representing the Old Testament or the Old Law, and Sarah is going to be representing the New Testament in the new ways. So let's read here from 21 until the end. It says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted algorithmically. I said that word wrong, but (laughs) these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also... It is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with her son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So he's he's ultimately saying that by continuing in their ways, they're going to perpetuate this consistently this consistent slave lifestyle in their lives. They're never going to be a free society, so to speak, again, if they continue in this way. Because they're going, to the, they're going with the old way. There's, there's nothing that is going to benefit them. They're thinking that they're doing the right thing. But it's wrong, just like Sarah and Abraham thought that they were doing the right thing by having the baby with Hagar. But that was not the promise that God said. We know God is very straightforward with what he says. If he says, do this, if he says, go right, take two steps, and you go right and you take one step, you're not going to get that promise. That's how God operates. You do what he says, and you have faith in God. The things that happen in your life with God operating, it happen through faith. They do not happen through you, and that is through salvation as well. That salvation in your life, that promise that God made in our life, whether it be uh, we can even look for and say anything outside of salvation. If God put a promise to you for something, that is going to happen through your faith in God, not by you. But in this case, we're talking about salvation. And salvation cannot happen because you did something, even if you think it is right. So it is important that we we understand, I mean, it's really important that we understand the salvation It's never anything that we could do on our own. And that it is important that we want that freedom, that we could chase that freedom. And this is what Paul is is, is pushing to them so much, is that there is a freedom to be had, but you've got to get out of your own mind to get that freedom. I don't know if you've realized this in your own life, but I've done this in my own self. Uh, It's kind of like that uh, cartoon you see of a horse tied to a chair. It's all about what's in your mind. See, the horse thinks he can't go nowhere, but the horse is big, right? He could just move around with that chair, but he thinks he's tied down. It's all in your mind. 
if you think that you're doing the right thing by by doing the law and and by doing that, then you're just going to continue to be slaves. Okay, well, I can't get salvation until I'm doing this. If you continue to think that way, you're going to live that way. I don't know about you, but I want to be free. I want to realize that that chair isn't holding me back. I just need to do what I'm supposed to do and move, right? I need to, need to turn it over to God to get that freedom in my life, to get free. You're your own enemy withholding yourself back until you give it up to God and realize that he's the only one that can get you through it, that can get you to it, that can give anything to you. And really just get yourself out of the way. Get yourself out of the way and you're going to see the life is going to become so much better. And if you're unsaved, get yourself out of the way so then you can have salvation with Jesus Christ. And so we, we to summarize, I guess you could say, this chapter, we see that Paul had this come to Jesus moment where he's talking to these people who are supposedly saved and he's letting them know, listen, what happened? We can't be doing this. And you got to get those people who are talking the, the false doctrine, you got to get them out. You got to get rid of them. You got to stop this doctrine, this false doctrine in your church. And then you got to remember and want and crave that freedom and understand where that freedom really comes from. You can want freedom all day, but if you don't understand where the freedom comes from, then it's going to be hard to attain it. So that's why I just, I'm so glad that Paul is painting this clear picture of how to attain that clear freedom, that that pure freedom, not just saying, well, you got to do this. Paul is painting the clearest picture that you could see on how to truly attain freedom and giving you the precise ingredients to do so. But folks, I hope you've enjoyed this week, chapter four. Uh, you know, keep tuning in as we got two more two more chapters to go through. And uh, that's pretty exciting as we finish this book. Well, I'm not sure what we're going to do next. Uh, we may go through Ephesians, maybe go through all the churches. I don't know, but we'll see what God has put on my heart to do. Uh, but anyways, folks, I love each <clears throat> I love each and every one of you, and I hope that y'all have a wonderful rest of the week.